0: This past week, the General Conference of the United Methodist Church met in St. Louis to vote on whether or not the LGBTQI community might be included more fully in the life of our denomination. Approximately 864 delegates from around the world were voted to represent the 12 million people who call themselves United Methodists across the globe and the diversity of our church was evident, including a strong presence from Africa, Russia, and Southeast Asia. And by a vote of 438 to 384, this general conference voted to uphold our historic discriminatory stance against our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, and in fact increased penalties against those who include them. The clergy of this church, along with the support of the leadership team, would like to offer a statement in response to these actions of the general conference. And in addition, we want you to know that this congregation has an inclusion statement, and we have printed copies available at the Welcome Center in the gathering space, along with additional resources for conversation and further information. We also want you to know that all of the clergy and the leadership team are available for further conversation and prayer for anyone who wishes. We share with you now a statement from the clergy of Clarkston United Methodist Church that has also been supported by your leadership team in response to the actions of General Conference. And I want to begin by reading a few words from our bishop, David Allen Bard. The much anticipated special called session of the General Conference has come to an end. The days leading up to the General Conference were filled with hope and prayer. Not all of the hopes were realized as people had differing hopes. Not all the prayers were answered in the way people had hoped because people were praying for different outcomes. The United Methodist Church will maintain its stance on human sexuality. In addition, enhanced enforcement provisions were approved as a way to encourage pastors, bishops, and churches to follow disciplinary requirements. The plan encourages those who disagree with these positions to consider leaving to form another Methodist organization. It is not yet clear which of these provisions will be ruled, constitutional, or how they may be implemented. Today we are left with many unanswered questions as to what this will ultimately mean for the denomination. What was clear is that the direction, the direction of the global church is to move in the direction of exclusion of LGBTQ people from the full inclusion in the life of the church. This is more than an issue of inclusion or exclusion. It's an issue that goes to the core of scriptural interpretation. It goes to the core of how we understand what it means to live out a Wesleyan grace-based faith in the world today.
1: There will be actions by the denomination over the next few months to confirm or to set aside the final actions of General Conference. There will also be multiple
0: grassroots responses and perhaps even efforts to form a new denomination
1: where the best of our Wesleyan heritage will support ministries committed to welcoming all people into the body of Christ. Today, our clergy grieve alongside all who were hurt by the decisions of the General Conference. We grow stronger in our commitment to fling open the doors of the Church to all people. For today, we are focused on continuing to share in the health and holiness of this ministry we call Clarkston United Methodist Church. The outpouring of your support in these last few days, has been deeply appreciated. What will happen in the days ahead in our denomination is still unclear. But here, we will continue to serve our community, this congregation, and remain faithful to the gospel of grace that has a claim on us all. Our commitment to full inclusion, mission and evangelism to connect all to God, remains. We ask you to keep the church in prayer. I ask you, we ask you to pray for those, especially the LGBTQ community, their family, their friends, who are hurt this week. Join with us in making sure that this ministry continues to be a faithful place where we are healthy and where we serve together. And celebrate with all the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ in this place. Thank you for listening. We're doing a little preaching. And Susie's going to come up and share the scripture in a second, but I need to give you some context to it. Luke 21 is one of those really interesting sections of the Bible, It, uh, it has a lot of Uh, complexity to it and language in it that's quite frankly confusing. It begins with Jesus um, in the temple and he's looking around the room in this amazing room which is stunningly beautiful and and built to be a place that inspires all and everyone who enters it and it certainly has with the disciples but Jesus is focused on something happening that everyone else is missing that is the fact that there is this poor woman, very poor Um, who's coming up to make her offering in the temple. And that day they didn't pass the plates, they dropped it in. They had to come forward. And she came forward, and Jesus knows, because it's Jesus, that she is giving, out of the little she had, all she could. I mean, it was an absolute gift of sacrifice to honor God with what she had. And Jesus sees this and says, that's the most amazing thing I've seen. That's, That's what it's about. And then the disciples start looking around the room going, yeah, that's cool. But man, do you look at the architecture here. This is cool. These walls are thick. I mean, it's really, I mean, they're impressed by the finiteness around them. They're impressed by stuff, by the things that are around them. And Jesus tries to get their attention again. He says, do you understand? These walls are coming down. The time will come when this will all be leveled and it will all be dust. This will all go away. Now, some are suggesting that perhaps he's, he's predicting, foretelling, what would occur in 70 AD when the Romans, quite frankly, did destroy the temple and decimate all of Jerusalem. But whatever his intent was in the message, he brings it back home with this. Y'all looking at stuff, that's finite and it's... I mean, it's going to go away one day. I mean, someday it all goes away, Right? Focus on the things that are holy and that are eternal. He tells them, take a look at something else. Look for the signs.
0: Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as a sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Thank Thanks be to God. Thank you, Susie. Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living Lord, descend upon each one of us today, all of us charged with a responsibility to listen and discern you above all. Speak through my words, speak in spite of my words. Most of all, draw us close to you, draw us closer to each other in the spirit of the Holy Spirit. All this is really to your glory. Amen. Stand up. Lift up your heads. See the signs. Jesus was telling his followers then, telling his followers today, that we are called to watch for the signs of God. Signs that are revealing where God is moving. Signs that help us understand where we are in relationship to the kingdom of God. Signs that help us find our place, find our purpose, and help us discern our next steps. Here in Michigan, we are experts at looking for signs. Particularly when it gets to be March... We're all looking for signs. When is this winter going to end? What are the signs you look for to tell you that? Birds. What else? What did I say again? Crocuses, flowers. Spring training, yes. March Madness, yes. Exactly right. When you see the grass of the Masters Tournament being put on your screen, you know the season's over. So we we need those signs. We're looking for them. And quite frankly, if you see a robin hop across your yard tomorrow, you're thrilled. But you're wondering, what's wrong with that robin? (laughs) Sometimes signs are hard to figure out, aren't they? But as Christians have through the centuries, we today, Christians, look for signs telling us where God is, what God is doing. We take a look at individuals like clergy and evaluate them based on what we call their fruitfulness. Do they bear fruit? Is there evidence in what they do that suggests God is working through them? We do that with congregations, too. Is there evidence of God's movement? Don't just tell me about the statistics Tell me about the Spirit. Tell me about the impact of the world for the sake of God. Help me understand. Is the Spirit of God alive in this person, in this place? And as United Methodists... At least one understanding of this is to ask all of us who embrace this as our heritage to do basically these three simple things. Do no harm. Do good. And stay in love with God. I mean, if you could just make that your minimum requirement today. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. This past week, at the global meeting of the United Methodist Church that we call General Conference, a collective delegation voted to reject the LGBTQ community from the church. Of course, that's not what they're saying they did. Those who voted for this say they welcome the LGBTQ community into their church, but such language is an insult to LGBTQ community and all of us who stand with them. It's never just or fair to say you're welcome here as long as you have to deny a part of your truth. You're welcome here as long as you conform and act in the way in which we expect. You're welcome here, but understand as long as you stay here, you never can be a real real leader. And most of all, you're welcome here. But if God moves in your heart and calls you and equips you to be the best pastor in the world, you will never get to wear these. Those who voted this way believe themselves to be scripturally correct and theologically sound. They see themselves as defending the sacredness of the church. And they have a right to believe that is true. What they don't have a right to do is believe they are Wesleyan. Wesleyans, those who follow John Wesley, have always experienced a Christian movement that calls on focusing all people to deep spiritual holiness and commitment to social justice. Ever since John Wesley began doing his work, we have cherished being in a community where we have embraced the ability to disagree on so many things, even as we find our commonality in the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way. Some group of people quit looking for the signs of grace. And instead tried to define faithfulness by coming up with rules and laws. Believing that there's only one way to interpret scripture. Only one way to live a Christian walk. And instead of seeking out to live in a Christian community of diversity, the decision this week was made to drive everyone out who does not agree with them. So Tuesday afternoon, a little bit past 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, The vote was taken to say to the LGBTQ community, there's no real place for you here. Now much has been said about that vote, that it's global and it was heavily impacted by people who were from places other than America. The problem with that is that starts to create a kind of sick racism. Now we're supposed to hate the Africans. By the way, the people that our missionaries taught how to believe faith. This is not them. Or any other group of people like that. There are strong voices in the American church who believe that what was done this week is right. To find blame in a group of people at that point is futile and not worth our time. But the vote itself violated the first basic guideline that I just shared with you, do no harm. Harm was done this week. The vote literally broke the hearts and spirits of not only the LGBT community, but all of us who are proud to say that we are their family, we are their friends, we are their colleagues, we are their fellow disciples, brothers and sisters with them following Jesus Christ. And harm was done to the spirits of the grace within the life of the church. Harm was done in our ability to witness the gospel of hope and acceptance to the world. Today, I recognize that I can no longer trust the emblem of the United Methodist Church to say hope, joy, welcome, and acceptance to the community. It doesn't say that anymore. But not only did the vote exclude the LGBTQ community from the church... This vote actually also excluded the vast majority of, young, of the younger generation, adults and youth, who will see this as a clear statement, the church is no place for them. As it was said to me, a few years from now, our kids are gonna turn to us and say, what did you guys do? Why? And this is not about being politically correct. It's not about making sure we play to the population. It's about understanding that our confirmation class today, who has worked to study whether they want to be a part of this church, who have done their kingdom assignments, can see the signs and understand from the deepest level, sexual orientation does not determine your worth. They know it at their core. And they're right. This vote does not only reject the LGBTQ community and also the younger generation and all the ages of generations who stand alongside them, they've also rejected the ability for people in this denomination to have their own thought or understanding. Agree or get out. Be willing to stay as long as you're willing to conform to our way of interpretation. The vote this past week rejected me. I was born into the Methodist Episcopal Church. I was ordained 40 years ago this June. I've given my life to the United Methodist Church proudly. I've served as an elder in this denomination all my professional career, and I've sat on boards and agencies, and there are some who think I'm a leader in the conference. I've served four churches, each which I love desperately, and which has borne fruit. Tuesday, they rejected me. They said they don't want the theological and biblical perspectives I received from two United Methodist institutions, Adrian College and Duke University. They reject my passion to believe that the Christian community is called to be diverse in its thought and united in its love of Christ. And right now, they are seeking to pass legislation that would restrict myself... Megan Walther, Laura Spearin, and Hal Weemoff, in ways in which there is no other thing that I could do to violate that would bring such rigid punishments. They have rejected Megan. They have rejected Laura and Hal and Rick and told us that there is virtually any kind of behavior that we could do for which there is no punitive discussion about in the discipline that's clear or clearer than the fact that if we happen to extend the grace of Jesus Christ to a same-sex couple Because if you do that, if you embezzle, if I have an affair, we'll figure it out. But if you do that, you're out of the pulpit for a year without pay. Do it a second time. We take your credentials. Those who supported the vote this past week are rejecting the ministry of Clarkston United Methodist Church which is a growing and living symbol of the sign of Jesus Christ alive and accepting all without, gra- without exception to his grace. To all of that I say this. Too bad. Because we're not going away. Too bad. Because you can't stop me and you can't take me away. I've looked at the cabinet. I can take them. (laughs) I am old enough and experienced enough to tell anyone that if you try to tell me where I have to limit how I serve and love Jesus Christ by serving and loving others, then I'm going to say to you, too bad. I will not stop. I will pledge myself today with renewed passion to work to save the United Methodist Church's heritage and future by regaining its place as known in the world as a place where we offer unconditionally the love of Jesus Christ. And if that fails, if it fails, I will give my gifts to helping create a community of believers who retain our Western heritage and unconditionally reach out to all. For I am not now, nor will I in the future abandon my Wesleyan heritage. It is in my blood. I could go be Episcopalian, I can fake Presbyterian, I can do a decent Lutheran. (laughs) But I'm United Methodist, and I was taught this way by the church that I love, and I will serve this way until my dying day be clear. And so too will Megan and Hal and Laura. In whatever way we need to live it out in the future, it's in our core. And there's nobody who can take it out of us. Before general conference, I was saying, I said to you, I think, after General Conference is over, whatever happens, it'll be business as usual, Clark United Methodist Church. We're going to do what we do. The problem is, we can't. Because now we have to fight against the emblem on our door, because the truth is, the world believes the emblem on our door says we hate gays. We have limited thoughts. The emblem on our door says, some folks are welcome here, some folks are welcome here, as long as you are Conditional. So we can't do business as usual. It is time for us to double down. I know there is temptation on a part of you to leave the church. I get it. I've talked with some of you. And I understand it. Trust me. <laughs> I understand it. But here's what I need to say to you. The most powerful thing we can do at Clarkston United Methodist Church is not leave but become even More to become even more committed to serving Christ in this community, to offering unconditional love into this community, by our actions, by our words, and by our invitations, saying, I know that you may have questions about us, but be clear, we have no question about you. You are all welcome here, and we will serve you as fully as we can, whoever you are in the ministry of this church. And the hardest thing to stand up in front of those who would be against us is a healthy, vibrant church. That's who we are. That's what we're going to be. I'm asking you to join with me. I don't know what the next year is going to unfold, and I'm not tonight even wor- today even worried about that, because that will be what it will be. But today, I can declare that I'm committed to you. I don't know where I stand with the denomination. I don't know where the denomination stands with me. So after I thought about all that on Tuesday, here's what I came up with. The covenant relationship I have the most, which is more important to me than anything else, except for the one I have with my wife and my kids, is this. It's with you. I will serve here as faithfully as can for as long as I can to make sure that we continue to be as healthy as we can to make sure that we represent the unconditional love of Jesus Christ in everything we do. Will you join with me? A week from Wednesdays, March 13th, I'm offering to you a new ministry. I'm going to begin doing table talks every Wednesday night at 5.30. 5 o'clock, we're going to have a light meal at the church. You're all welcome. We'll figure out the food. We're going to have food here. I hope we have more people than we can feed. We'll have more food the following week. (laughs) Every Wednesday night at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a meal at this church, a light meal. And then at 5.30, I'm going to begin having table talk conversations with you. I want to tell you why. I want to tell you that I think that I need to not only preach to you, I need to listen to you. And you need to be able to listen to me when I'm I'm doing preaching. I want to make sure that we are engaged in biblical study. Because one of the things that's happening right now is there are people who are running around saying, Well, the Bible says this on this page, so therefore. And I need to make sure that you are biblically equipped to understand why that is such flawed, poor, biblical work. We're going to talk about all kinds of things at Table Talk. Bible, theology, what it is to live as a Christian, how difficult it is, how joyful it is. We're going to have these conversations, and you're going to talk with each other at Table Talk, and I'm going to invite you to be there. Think about it the old way we used to. You know, when you went to church on Sunday and on Wednesday, come back to church on Wednesday. The good news is I'll have you out of here by 6.30. You won't even have to TiVo Jeopardy. You'll be home in time. (laughs) but understand this, we have to talk with each other we have to pray with each other and it's my job at the end of the day as senior pastor to make sure that you are biblically equipped I hope to see some of you on Wednesday nights I also want to invite you to do this Right now, you are the most important witness of the church in Clarkston. Right now, you are the signs. You are the leaves that are turning. You are the ones who, stronger than a headline or a Facebook post can go out and share with others the good news of Jesus Christ and invite people to all manner of activities from pickleball to Thursday morning Bible study. You are the ones. Because you are already a healthy and thriving church. And in the weeks to come, you will discover more about what you're doing as we enter into this capital campaign. And someone said to me the other day, well, why are we doing the capital campaign with all this nonsense? Because we have positioned ourselves to be in a place to do ministry with everyone we can in this community. It's why we built this building. And we are doubling down. And we're going to pay for it. And we're going to launch ministries out of this place until we have offered the grace of Jesus Christ to every person around us. This is our calling. This is our task. And nothing will keep us from that. I want, to say this. I want to say this. If you don't agree with me, this is the place for you. I want diversity. That's the difference. If you don't agree with me, please stay. We're not here to get everybody to think exactly the same way. We're here to be the body of Christ. And in my family, we don't always agree. But we love each other. Most of all, before we go any further, before you go meet your kids, we got to come to a table, because Lord knows I need a table day to come to, where everybody's welcome. Did you hear me? Where everybody is invited, no exceptions. Today, our confirmands are going to be the ones serving you, the future of the church, is waiting for you, because they were taught this table was for everyone. So thanks be to God, and let us worship.